Howdy and welcome to the Feed Bandit Podcast, where we have fun talking all things hunting and in the process do our best to support small and family-owned businesses in the hunting space. Here are your hosts and resident bandits, Jimmy Byrne and Richard Kinchlow. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Feed Bandit Podcast. Again, uh, with you, as always, is myself, Jimmy Byrne, joined by my host, the always intrepid hunter, Richard Kinchlow. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, sir. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, so tonight I think we're just going to we're gonna have an interesting conversation. It's about things that, you know, maybe people don't, uh, maybe not think about it too much because it's right after the deer season, but, uh, you know, you can't rest on your laurels. Uh, there's always stuff to do, right? I mean, so we want to talk about uh, now that it's the off-season for deer hunting, at least in Texas. What are those things that uh, people should have on their mind? What they should be planning for? Right. You know, how should they... Uh, be planning for the next season, what they should do on their land and things of that nature. So it's kind of a potpourri episode of things of that nature. So absolutely, uh, yeah, let's dive into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, with the, with the end of the deer season, um, and, you know, a lot of folks get, get really down in the dumps and, you know, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you spend, you spend so many months and so many, many dollars, you know, getting ready for, for this time of year. And then when it's, when it's here, you're just, you're soaking it in, you're loving it, and uh, you're hating Sundays because you got to go back to the city. And you know, but unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. And and um, you know, the deer season for the majority of folks has has ended here in the um, um, in, in the state of Texas. So, um, you know, right right now though, you know, as as Jimmy alluded to, there's cannot can't stop. You know, um, right now is an absolute crucial time for for the white-tailed deer. So let's. Let's dive into that a little bit. Um, typically, as as of January first, is typically when you know, at least on Rancho Bandito, we start to uh, prepare for the future. I mean, we are literally starting to 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 make preparations so that uh, you know the the we can look at help the deer with supplemental feeding. You know, um, adding uh, protein pellets, a cotton seed. Uh, things of that nature you know we we really we keep our corn feeders running you know from september to uh really when they go empty so that we've got you know 1500 pound corn feeders so they'll typically go empty uh, uh actually right about now uh but you know the corn is really i i've heard you know they, the deer experts compare it to really more of like a candy bar you know it's a starch it gives them a little burst of energy but there's there's really no nutrition you know uh, so um, now here we are in January. It's post rut. Uh, it's cold. Uh, in fact, I'm actually heard that uh, we actually have a um, uh, a pretty crazy February that could be in store for us. Some of the uh, uh, models that that I, I look at, them, I have no idea what they mean. But the folks that do <laughs> say it could be incredibly cold in February. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Is it like so, a farmer's almanac? Well, no, well, actually, so the farmer's almanac actually did say, uh, you know, below average cold, but, but this is, you know, the meteorologist, you know, for, for NOAA, I don't, not the guy with the boat, but the, the weather service, um, you know, talking about severe cold, you know, so, so here we go. It's winter, it's January, um, you know, again, the bucks especially are post rut, but the does are post rut as well. I mean, they're running, uh, they've lost a lot of weight, um, you know, obviously their their natural forage isn't as plentiful as it used to be. So, um, you know, if, if you're going to supplemental feed, my, my goodness, now is a good time to do it. Um, 
Yeah, so basically, you're saying because you want to get uh, well, want help them through the the harsh right. winter, I guess. Exactly. But, uh, help them put on some some weight, some absolutely some fat, absolutely. I guess. Uh, absolutely, you bet. Yeah. yeah, start to to kind of regain what they lost during the rut. Um, and, and, and you'll start to see, you know, we're seeing in the Rancho Bandito right now, you know, the bucks are starting to come back to the feeders a lot. Uh, they're starting to get back in their bachelor groups, you know, so they're really just, they're kind of taking a break, you know, so, so getting those protein feeders filled, um, is, is absolutely crucial. Um, yeah, another little piece of advice for you, you know, it, typically, uh, you know, some places such as our place, you know, I, I was actually checking our protein feeders this past Saturday. And uh, I went up to him and I, I saw some um, I saw some protein in there. So I kind of I kind of banged on the the downspout, you know. And then some came out. And then, then I realized, man, some of that didn't move when I banged and you know, when I hit the spout. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I realized that you know we had a torrential amount of rainfall that destroyed my dove season <laughs> in October. Uh, well, it also clogged my protein feeders like a son of a gun. So oh, yeah, um, you know, make sure that you you know, obviously look before you stick your hand in there. But but stick your hand in there and carry a screwdriver with you or something like that to where you can really get all that that clumpy um, you know moldy protein out. You know, I I heard once that the deer are smart enough not to consume a, a, a piece of black or white protein uh but you, you don't want to take a chance you know well, so it probably smells off right so right they right. probably don't want to eat that <laughs> exactly exactly but you know but it's just kind of part of general maintenance for your protein feeders uh you know if they're not dry get out there or if, if, if they haven't been cleaned out clean them out you know clean out those tubes and so that way when you do put the, the fresh protein in there you're you're good to go and as a general rule of thumb you know you really need to especially when it starts to get hot and you get, uh, you know, God, or, uh, uh, God willing, you do get some rain. You know, you really want to check check those protein fears and make sure they're not clumping up. But mm-hmm. um, get them full. Now's the time. Get them full. Um, also, what would you do if, uh, let's say, you had a property and all you had were spin, right. spin type corn feeders? You don't have really have protein feeders out there. Sure. What would you do in that scenario, or suggest That's, doing? Uh, that? That's a great question. That's a really great question. And then, then that's actually really kind of more, more of a uh, probably a reality scenario for, for a lot of folks, you know, that, that maybe they don't own the land. The lease is six hours away. Uh, a couple of things you can do. You know, first of all, you can um, you can look at buying a, a pretty big protein feeder, you know, and get it filled up and just hope that uh, hope that it, it you know, it, it stays kind of unclogged. You know, and I know a lot of people do that. Uh, the second thing uh, some folks do, it's become really popular now, is they have timed protein feeders. Uh, I know every brand of deer feeders, at least the ones that are manufactured here in Texas, have got um, a, a, a timing option on there. Uh, so obviously it works just kind of like a spin feeder, except you know it works with the, the protein. Um, you know, the, the third option, if, if you don't really want to have a dedicated protein feeder, Okay, when we say a protein feeder, I, I probably should have uh, clarified that. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we're talking about protein feeders, we're talking about a non-mechanical uh, deer feeder. Basically, it's gravity fed. Okay, mm-hmm. so um, there's no working parts per se. Um, but yeah, no. As, as Jimmy said, if you if you've just got a spin feeder, you know, can you throw protein? Yeah, yes, you can. Now, a lot of folks will say, eh, I don't know, you know, because it. It gets wet and it'll clog, and, and that's very true. 
Uh, that being said, if you've got if you've got chunky or moldy corn, okay, that means you've got moisture getting into your barrel. Do not put protein in there. Uh, you will have yourselves one hell of a gag fest, uh, which is funny. And actually, if you do and you get a bad one, film it and send it. Yes, to us. yes, no question. And, and it's the funniest thing on earth. It's, it's disgusting, but uh, yeah, make sure your barrels in, in really good condition before you fill it with protein. Uh, also, you know, protein's going to be obviously the pellets are a little bit longer than than, than corn. Uh, so one thing that that we do is we do have a spin feeder that throws um, that throws protein. Is we kind of lower the spin plate, okay? So that allows more protein to come out. So so you're going to be throwing a lot more, okay? So it's going to go empty, uh, you know, less. Uh, so what we do is we dial it down, okay? So instead of four seconds, we'll go to two seconds. Um, and that, I think that's a really good compromise because when the moisture comes in, when it's raining sideways or something like that, the, uh, the pellets won't, uh, won't, won't, um, won't poof up like uh, cat food and water, you know? So, um, lower that spin plate a little bit and you should be in good shape. We, we again, we haven't had any problems, uh, with our, with our feeder when we do that. So, um, again, proteins, absolute protein pellets is absolutely huge. Um, another thing that, that we do, it's just become extremely popular within the last five, five years or so has been a uh, cottonseed, uh, cottonseed is, um, and when we've written about it, we'll continue to write about it. Cottonseed is an absolute outstanding source of protein <coughs> for the deer. Uh, and, um, and you know, for your other hooved animals as well, you know, I know our black buck and our axis deer, uh, eat it as well. So. A great source of protein uh, is going to be less expensive than protein. The protein pellets is generally uh, going to be more difficult to find, though. You know, I know in Texas, I, again, I've heard, I'm, I'm not an expert, I've heard it was kind of a rough year for cotton. So the cotton seed may be a little bit more expensive, um, also be, be a little bit more difficult to find, uh, which, of course, now, is something <clears throat> we're is working that, on. Yeah, is that the same cotton seed, then, that the, <laughs> the, the farmers actually till? Right. There? That's my understanding. Yes. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. So it's it's the exact same thing. So you know when they when they put it in the Eli Whitney cotton gin, all right, and it extracts the. Uh, I actually did a report on him in fifth grade. It's like everybody else picked like the lamp and the car, and I picked the cotton gin. God, <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, the encyclopedia had like two pages on. I'm like, well, that's great. This is good. Uh, anyway, that's that's a different story, but. Yeah, so so the great things about the cotton seed again, it's going to be less expensive generally. Okay, uh, it also is a lot more um, rain resistant. Okay, a lot of the the cotton seed feeders you see out there, although you know a lot of the manufacturers are actually starting to come out with uh, cotton seed uh, dedicated cotton seed feeders. You know, you you can simply get some V net wire, um, you know, and, and then wire it to a T post. I think we've got some pictures on our website of the ones we use. And uh, we, we put a mineral lick bucket on top of it, and that kind of sort of keeps the rain out of it. But uh, anyways, the deer absolutely pound it. They absolutely love it. Uh, in fact, uh, I will go out and say that the, the deer on Rancho Bandito actually prefer cottonseed over protein. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've watched them, and time and time again, uh, they will hit that cottonseed before they hit the protein. So I uh, think it's pretty cool. Uh, storing it can kind of be of an, uh, you know, be an issue. You need to really plan ahead and think ahead if you are going to start a feeding program with cottonseed. Uh, you know, typically like like most things, you know, you'd like a cool, dry place, right? Um, 
to be able to store a lot. I, I've seen a lot of fellas out there with uh, 16 foot trailers that end up taking, you know, two or three tarps and end up making some sort of rig to, to kind of keep it, uh, keep it all to, you know, to keep it dry. And, and that seems to work. Um, I've seen folks use, um, oh gosh, uh, old, old timey refrigerators <laughs> to store it in. So you really just, as long as it's, it's, it's kept dry and out of the way of livestock. Uh, obviously there's a lot of, you know, cattle ranchers and whatnot will feed their cattle cottonseed. Uh, obviously it's very good for them as well. So, um, the livestock will obliterate it if they get to it. So, um, be careful of that. But, but January is just, is a real crucial time, uh, again, to, to help those does, help those bucks kind of regain their strength. Okay. Again, not a lot of natural forage is, is, is left. Okay. The acorns are, are munched up or rotten by now. So you've got your wintertime forbs and whatnot, but, but I mean, this is the time to start supplemental feeding right now. Um, Well, and you're probably, you know, laying a decent foundation, I would imagine for the new antler growth. Absolutely. You know, as they lose their antlers. Absolutely. Uh, start growing again. So and that's wanna... yep. That's exactly what I was gonna. I was, well, I was gonna get that next. You know, the oh, okay. antlers are gonna start growing. Um, you know, again, they're just like fingernails. You know, they're they're constantly growing. Um, and so, uh, you know, as those antlers start to fall, they got a new set that's pushing out. You know, so again, now's the time to start helping them out with that. You know, and again, uh, talking about antlers really quickly. You know, the the a majority of the nutrition that the deer intakes um, is actually going to go to its body first and then to its antlers, okay? So that's that's obviously why when you've got, you know, poor range conditions, not a lot of, you know, overgrazing, uh, you have drought conditions, okay? You know, for an extended period of time, that's why you start to kind of see a, a downturn in the antlers, okay? And again, this is where supplemental feeding can, can help offset some of that. Uh, but no, you're, you're exactly right, Jimmy. As those antlers are starting to regrow, um, it, it's so important to, to get that protein, uh, to get that supplemental feeding in there to get those, uh, you know, to get them a good start. And then as we get into February and March, we'll, 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 again, we'll talk about the benefits of the protein, you know, because, you know, the does are, are pregnant, okay, and then they, you know, they, they need energy and whatnot to, to get through. And then in the summer, the, the protein, um, the, the supplemental feeding is going to help with, uh, um, with the does lactation and whatnot for the fawns. So, uh, super important. You get started off on the right foot. So, you know, do not, uh, you might hang your gun up. Okay. But, but, uh, it's time to put your, try and put your working hat on for sure. Well, hang your gun up for deer. But well, that's true. Animals. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> Golly. I mean, you kidding me? Yeah. We, uh, at Rancho Bandito this weekend, we killed, uh, I think we killed 15 hogs. <laughs> So uh, lots of pigs to be to be shot, you know, with with really no natural predators except for themselves, the occasional mountain lion, car, and uh, hunter. Uh, you know, there's not a lot out there to really, you know, just keep their numbers in check. So, uh, you know, a lot of folks dread the off season. I, I love it. I, I really do. Uh, I, I love watching the seasons turn. You know, I love seeing spring green up. So, and again, I, I the, the you know seeing the fruits of your labor, you know, out there. Starting to you know put the cotton seed out, fill those protein feeders up, you know eventually we'll put mineral out, and um, you know it all kind of all kind of blows up there in, in November and December when you see those hopefully those big antlers. So, well, when would you put the mineral blocks out? 
Yeah, the the mineral, um, you know, I, I you know, as far as salt is concerned, we typically put salt out a month or two after spring green up, and that is because, uh, and again, I'm not a, a, a PhD or an MD. Actually, I'm an MBA, but but that has nothing to do with science whatsoever. Um, I have heard that the when the spring green up and they got a whole bunch of new green forbs and whatnot, they really start to crave salt. In fact, they I've heard that they will travel miles to find salt. Uh, so that's when we put the salt out. The the other minerals, okay, whether it be in a like granular form um, or in a, in a in a lick form. I I mean, I think you can put that out really whenever. In fact. Uh, we should probably uh, probably put it out with the protein pellets and the cottonseed, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because, again, all that stuff's going to be going to the antlers, going to the overall uh, you know, nutrition health of the, of the animal. <clears throat> all right. Uh, you know, so it's still winter here, obviously. Yep. Uh, I guess it's technically winter till what, mid-March or whatever, I guess. I think so, yeah. March, March 20th or whatever, right. typically the solstice is, but... Uh, at what point do you start thinking about possible, you know, spring food plots and things right. of that nature, you know, preparing right. the land, uh, into that type sure. of stuff? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I think it really depends on where you are. Um, obviously there, there's a lot of, you know, here in Texas, you know, a majority of the food plots, I, I think a lot of folks use those blends that you can get from, you know, whatever company and, you know, it's got chicory and pea and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of folks just use, just just kind of use straight winter wheat seed or oats or whatnot. And um, you know, obviously that's planned in the fall. Uh, this year, and the reason why I'm kind of going here is this year is, is kind of different. A lot of folks planted wheat and oats really late this year because the army worms were so bad. Uh, well, the army worms were so terrible at first. If you don't know what an army worm is, look it up. It, it devastates your 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 uh, your wheat or your oat crop. Um, and then after the after the army worm epidemic subsided, uh, we we had torrents, you know, gallons of rain. You know, I mean, again, like two feet of rain, so you couldn't get tractor in there to plant anything. Uh, and so, you know, we finally were able to get in there, and we were like, well, I don't know if it's going to come up or not. You know, it could have rotted out. Well, sure enough, look what's coming up. Um, so, you know, we inadvertently have great springtime food plots coming up. We're pretty excited about. It. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, uh, generally under normal conditions, I think that you're supposed to wait or at least attempt to wait till after the last hard freeze. Okay. Uh, and so obviously that will, uh, uh as you move further North, that'll get later and later in the season. So, <clears throat> excuse me, when we've done, um, when we've done springtime plots and we haven't done a lot of them, but when we have, um, we typically will do it. You know, we'll try to sow them sometime in March, uh, kind of take try to take advantage of the, you know, the the hopefully the warming cycle. You know, it's typically when we kind of get our spring green up and typically our last freeze. So, you know, uh, right around there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we don't do spring we don't do spring food plots a lot because we we do have a lot of really good natural forage. You know, we spend a lot more time out there in the spring and summer you know, removing cedar trees where needed and prickly pear cactus to make room, to make more room for for natural forage. Uh, the other problem that we have is that where we do have our wintertime plots, 
we also have a nasty, nasty invasive grass called the Johnson grass. Um, Johnson grass is um, is kind of bittersweet. Okay, it can be a, a decent cattle forage, uh, but for wildlife, other than cover, uh, it, it really serves no purpose. Uh, so the the problem is, uh, in fact, I was staring at it the other day, losing enamel on my teeth. Um, you know, I, I've seen where our wheat's coming up. Well, I can also see the, the Johnson grass coming up. So um, what we really try to do is we really try to, you know, after the wheat's headed out, okay, and again, it's mixed with freaking Johnson grass, we try to, to try to kill that Johnson grass so we don't replow it, okay? Mm-hmm. The problem with the, the Johnson grass is that the the, um, the root stem or the, the ribosome, I think, is – where's Daniel when we need him? Right. <laughs> uh, that, that, that root thing basically kind of grows across the ground, obviously underneath the earth. And so if you cut it, it, it doesn't really hurt it. It just kind of regrows, you know? So that's why we don't do it because we were if we go out there and retill – we're just making that Johnson grass even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's primarily why we don't do it on the uh, on Rancho Bandito. Right. Okay. Well, I guess another time or another thing to do right now, it's winter and everything, is to trim up some of the some of your trees. You know, if you oh, wanna, for sure. You know, oh, you need sure. to help expand <laughs> some uh, viewing lanes or stuff like that, or just to help out Absolutely. with the uh, browse areas or whatever. You know, I mean, it's. You know, good time for that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, right now is a great time to do, you know, a lot of those chores that, uh, you know, that that you don't want to do when it's July. Right. Um, You know, the the other thing to think about, and you actually bring up a really good point, Jimmy, is that, you know, trimming trimming some shooting lanes and whatnot is going to look different in July than it is in November. Okay, well, you're not going to be hunting deer in July. You're going to be hunting in November. So why don't you trim what you need to while the leaves are off the trees, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, so that way the following year you're, you're going to be good shape, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously when the, the leaves come back on the trees, everything starts to, 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 to grow up again. Uh, it may look completely different. So, no, I, I totally agree. Now's the time to, you know, you get, you get to sleep in. You got hogs to shoot. You got predators to shoot, which I want to do a whole different, uh, different deal on that uh, because predator hunting, if you have never done it, uh, is an absolute kick. Um, and, and although these animals were put on earth for a reason, uh, you know, we you know, predators need to be held in check as much as possible too. So we're going to do a whole new session on those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, trimming the lanes, you know, fixing blinds, getting the protein feeders ready, uh, getting the cottonseed feeders filled. That's, that's, yeah, that's what you need to do. And in the stay of Texas, blasting hogs. Absolutely. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it's also a good time to move blinds and feeders, so for sure. You know, again, going back to you don't want to do it in July. Oh yeah, might well, yeah. Might as well do it now and do the work to clear if you need to clear a lot of the land where you think there's a good spot for that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, get out there and do that now. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the kind of way I look at it is like, hmm, do I want to move a blind? You know, that weighs 900 pounds with uh, steel that, that that warms up to 140 degrees, touching my right. skin. <laughs> or do I want to wait till it's nice and cool? I mean, either way, it's going to be hard and you're going to hate it. But, you know, God, do it now where, where it, it won't literally rip your skin off from the, right. from the heat. <laughs> yeah. You sound like you're saying that from experience. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I have moved many uh, I have moved many a blind. And I we did the old-fashioned way. These were – I call them the – 
the South Texas Tower stands. Okay, so they're the they're the the, the twenty footers. Okay, it, it's it's oh god, it they're absolutely enormous. You know, they rock. They're not very wide, and you know, we would lower them down with the jeep onto a sixteen foot trailer, and it just got it. It's it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, and surprisingly, you know, we didn't destroy a blind or or jeep or or a trailer trying to move them. Um, yeah, th- those are the good old days. Yeah, just wear, uh, if you're going to do it in July or August, just do it with gloves on so you save the skin on your hands. <laughs> no doubt, dude. No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah, and lots of water, that's for sure. Uh, lots of water. Uh, maybe yeah. some beer. Uh, yeah, or some, uh, and, and or some beer, no doubt. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, what else should people be doing? Well, do you anything else? You, you know, uh, I, I think one other thing folks can can look at doing is um, uh, start thinking about turkey season. You know, oh, uh, yes. you know, in, in, in Texas, uh, it doesn't open up until I think like March thirtieth is like the the youth season. You know, but but to start patterning your turkeys. You know, you you know, a lot of folks like us on the Rancho Bandito, we basically hate their existence because you know those corn bandits come in and they'll destroy a feeder. Um, you know, they'll destroy that, that evening or that morning's output of corn in less than 30 seconds. Uh, but you know, post deer season, we start to kind of love them again. So, uh, now's a great time to, you know, to kind of quote unquote, put them to bed, you know, see where they're roosting. Um, you know, things of that nature. Now, of course that can change. If they get blown off their roost by a predator, they could move, but no, absolutely. Now would be a, a decent time to start looking at their patterns, you know, start making plans for, for March, I mean, it's quite literally will be here before you know it. Yeah, I mean that's something you could do easily. Just get up in the morning yep. or drive around in the afternoon, see if you can see them, and absolutely see if you can watch where they go. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. You know, the other thing I, I I would I would tell folks is to you know take advantage of these cool months. Again, going back to Texas, uh, take advantage of these cool months, and you know get out there with a, with a backpack and a machete or whatever you need. And, you know, and do a little exploring on your land. You'd be surprised what you would find, you know, good and bad. Um, do some shed hunting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and then I was about to say, that's one of the other great things about, you know, March is, uh, is finding those shed antlers. I mean, especially with the kids. You know, we will, uh, at, at the Rancho Bandito, we'll load up on the UTVs with all the kiddos, and, you know, we'll go out there and uh, watch the kids uh, find antlers. You know, that's a lot of fun. My, my oldest daughter actually... Uh, we were heading out to the blind uh, the uh, the week after Christmas and uh, Heaven Week, was, yeah, Heaven Week, yeah. We're right there by the house, and she screams, "Stop, stop, stop!" You know, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" You know, kind of slam on the brake, and she gets out and runs runs this this play uh, this piece of the kind of the, the backyard, if you will. Um, you know, it's full of live oaks, and I just you just wouldn't look, and there was a massive axis antler sitting right there. Um, in fact, I think we, we did a Instagram picture on him. It was just really, really cool. So, yeah, lots of fun things to do in the off season, no doubt. Didn't she find two over she, that week? No, Trav found that, Oh, Trav, Trav found that's right. When they, but she was riding with them when they found Yes, yes, yeah, yes, right. yes. So, I mean, to find three axes antlers in, in, one, <laughs> uh, in one sitting was pretty cool. No, yeah, yeah, it was really cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, yep, yep. All right. Well, you got any other other ideas or parting words? You know, I think that's about it. I think um, on our next one, I'd really like to talk about 
talk about predator hunting, kind of the, the, the how and, you know, what you should try, and, and a little bit about, you know, the, the bobcat and the coyote um, in particular, um, some, some tips uh, and tricks. Again, if you've never, if you've never predator hunted before, it, it is an absolute ball. Uh, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, obviously, there's a lot of YouTube videos on it as well, but I'll, you know, I'll tell you about my experiences. We've seen some Seen some really cool stuff. Um, every time is kind of a unique adventure, so uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about that next time. All right, well that sounds fun. Yeah, I look forward to that uh, conversation. All right, well uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, now you know what you need to be out there doing <laughs> over the next couple months. Uh, so you know, listen to, to Doctor Kinchlow here, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but he yeah. and his uh, his uh, PhD piled high yeah. and deep. That's right. Giving you the uh, I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. Giving you your marching orders. So there you go. Uh, there you go. Trying. All right. Well, thank you, sir, for uh, for all that information. And uh, exactly. everyone out there, go out there, have a good time, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Have a good one. Support your local feed store. Yes. Adios. Thanks for listening to the Feed Bandit Podcast. If you want to find new and innovative hunting gear and service providers not typically offered through the traditional big box hunting stores, come on over and join the hunt at feedbandit.com join. When you join, as a bonus, you'll get our entertaining free e-guide of unique hunting tips and tricks. And a reminder to all you small businesses, feed stores, gear inventors, or entrepreneurs in the hunting space, if you'd like to get more exposure to potential customers by being featured on the FeedBandit podcast, please let us know. We'd love to discuss what we can do for you and your business. Go to FeedBandit.com promote. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please give us a rating and review on iTunes as it would really help us out. Go to FeedBandit.com iTunes. Thanks everyone for listening. Until next time. Please remember to support your local feed store.